Hello and welcome once again to the Moore and Connolly Football Show, the podcast that gives you your fix to the NFL with a little added je ne sais quoi. Big shout out as always to the Gridiron family of which we're proud to call ourselves a part. My name is Tom Moore, talking nonsense since 1986 and joining me as always is the godfather of the family. It's Ollie Connolly. Ollie, how the devil are you my friend? I'm doing great. Fired up. I think that we have the best four teams in the NFL playing what will be one of the most fun weekends or Sundays imaginable. Any one of the concoctions of Super Bowl matchups is really exciting and interesting. And the last weekend of games was pretty fun too. A couple of duds, but just a fun weekend all around storyline wise. But last week we did the headlines for next week and you said you picked the Bengals, but you said, I don't believe it's going to happen. But then it happened. Oh, Ollie. It, it happened. happened. My guy. Luana Rumo, Ludini, the defensive wizard of, of Ohio, he comes through uh, once again. And I, and I will uh, maybe, just maybe, he will once again, not Joe Burrow, Joe Maestro, Joe Cool. Maybe once again, Ludini will guide the Bengals to an AFC title. Do you not feel that it's like nailed on? And I know that actually the Chiefs are going into the game next week as favourites, and we'll get onto this in a minute, but it, I just feel like the Bengals are na- nailed on. Right, you, park it, Ollie, park it. We will get to that because, ladies and gentlemen, what we do on this show is we go, first of all, with a bit of chatter, and then we'll hit you up with the NFL headlines for next week. And they're the stories that we think are going to be in the papers next week. It's a good way to look at the game. So we will talk about those Bengals in a moment. And then we're going to finish this week with a great game of the prices right based on a recent list that we've had out of the top 10 most valuable sports franchises in the US. Ollie's going to be in the chair, mastermind style, and I will be asking him questions to see whether he can put people, people, put the teams in the right slot in that top 10. Exciting though that will be. Ollie, are you pumped? I am very, very excited. Okay, so before we get into the football talk, Ollie, there's a couple of things we need to talk about. Okay, first of all, right, Gareth Bale is now going to be a professional golfer or something. Okay, so what the hell is... Now, so the last 10 years were not professional. Well, exactly. But, well, he may have been that standard, but he was actually just sat on Real Madrid's bench. But this is is bizarre because it just makes me think of, like, Michael Jordan when he went over and played baseball. You know, athletes just seem to have this ability to pick up any sport and just do it. And doesn't it just make you slightly sick that, <laughs> that that Bale could just do this? And in golf, to be quite honest, you could earn a pretty penny. Pretty penny. I mean, Tony Romo's done this too, right? Isn't he a scratch golfer? And he plays pro-ams and plays with professionals uh, on tours as well, I believe. So some guys is blessed with magical hand-eye coordination, which is what the golf is. And as we said, I mean, he has essentially, I, I, he's played so much golf around me. I know you're you, <laughs> so little football, so little football. I know you're saying like, you know, he played for Madrid, but seriously, he was paid a wage, but he spent, he did spend more time playing golf than playing football. That's just a fact. So it's unbelievable. He probably trained and played as much golf as many professional golfers because he was playing basically 36 holes a day. So I'm just looking up now. He he was earning five hundred and sixty four thousand pounds a week playing for Real Madrid. Okay, two twenty nine million a year. He earned a total in his footballing career of one hundred eighty one million, basically. But he was earning five hundred and sixty four grand a week to play golf, <laughs> which is insane because that's not the sport. That's not the sport he signed up to play. 
No, and it's and I know that uh, they're allowed to play golf. You know, they know footballs in their contracts. They can't ski or rock climb or have like some you know different fun quirky hobbies. You can't even play like football out in the street with some lads. You're not allowed. You know can't, what I mean? Can't play for t- obvious <laughs> reasons. But tennis is one I think they're not allowed, not allowed to do. But they're all allowed to play golf for some reason. Though you can probably straighten an oblique. And Gareth was just out there, you know, raking every single day, not caring about getting back on the pitch of football. Which you know I kind of applaud. He got basically a semi-retirement home in Madrid. All mm-hmm. of the sponsor money, all of the contract money, and did his real dream, which is to be a professional golfer. What is it as well about Gareth Bale that I don't begrudge him this at all for some reason? He seems like a decent lad, and he's just he's just taking advantage of his situation. Whereas other other people like Cristiano, you know, I I kind of have got a visceral hatred for now. Hmm. Yeah, well, this is, you know, the Saudi Arabian thing is slightly different, I think, than going to Madrid at the peak of your powers. Um, oh, that's true. You mentioned, though, in your chatter there, in your chitter chatter, sir, the name Tony Romo. Now, <laughs> interestingly, I saw a tweet you put out there, which you put out ages ago, and it was a retweet of a, of a tweet that you'd previously put about how people are now starting to realise he seems to be mailing it in. And they were actually talking about it on the around the end NFL show as well um, uh, this week. I, I listened to it the other day. But you were on this way up front, Ollie. Is he going to get away with this for much longer? <laughs> it's really tough. You know, I, I put, I wrote that, a column about it, a source column with people who've worked, sourced and reported with people who've worked with Roma since he first got to CBS. So I'm telling you, A plus sourcing um, in Romo's camp and in the CBS camp. And what's funny is, as a phrase in that tweet was that does it matter? if an analyst is bullshitting, if the audience can't tell. And it's it's like a philosophical question. Do, do, whose life does it change if he's basically bullshitting and lying about what teams have traditionally run because there's no need for the audience to really know, right? Does it really matter if he says, oh yeah, Jim, on third down, they play a ton of man coverage and it's just a flat out falsehood, as you're supposed to say in the media now, because he's just saying shit. He's just shooting from the hip. He's done no research. It- is this is this that we've always talked about this, Ollie, about um as a as a fan base that American football fans, because of the complexity of the game, are fantastic fans and some understand more than others. But if you take the average level of understanding, you can get away with bullshitting as an announcer because it's so complex that you, you don't know whether they're they're right or not, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a there's great distance between the informed and they're not informed, right? In in football, the one the European football where we're from, like people try and overcomplicate that game at times, right? Particularly like the Pep Guardiola's of this world and all that. But it's stuff. simple. But yeah, it's pretty simple. And even when you go down into those deeper coaching rabbit holes, which I've been down, like eventually you get it, and that's kind of it. Like there's not that much of a leap to get towards it. Whereas obviously in the NFL, I mean, it's it's impossibly complex. It's changing all the time. It you have to as an announcer. Basically, if you want to be up to date, obviously, with the entire league, and I do this as a job, right? I write about X's and O's about the entire league. It's really, mm-hmm. really hard one. You have to pick and choose your spots. I did not write a column about the Texans this year. Did not go and watch all the old 22 of every single game of the Texans, right? You pick and choose your spots. You have to <laughs> dodge, the, dodge the bullet. <laughs> you basically have to dedicate yourself as though you work for a team. It's that hard because he's trying mm. to keep us up to date as the te- people game planning for the opposition. Tony Romo, God, this is like, God love him. What a sweet gig. He gets paid $17 million a year to not do that. Has a bunch of research assistants hand him notes before the game to say this is like what these teams run. And then just kind of goes out there and throws from the hip. And I think where people have caught on now, 
is that he was bringing real insight before because he was so close. He just left the league, obviously, he knew all the schemes, all that stuff, knew the players, knew the tendencies. Then that changes within 24 months and you're kind of out to dry. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes hard work to stay in there. Um, what's happened now is he just appears to be like really inarticulate out of nowhere and he just makes guttural noises, which I really enjoyed in the Bills Chiefs, you know, game of the century, essentially. He, he really rose to the moment. It sounds like he's having as much fun as you are with your friends watching the game. That's like the beauty of when he's at his best. When he's at his best, he's still the best. The issue is like his average now is so below like professional standards. He's chewing gum on air. He has no idea who the players are. And he's probably just thinking about playing 18. It's bad, yeah. I remember when the Packers beat, I think it was the Broncos in overtime um, at Lambeau and Geronimo Allison uh, took a catch down the sideline. It seemed to be, and he was going, oh, oh, they got to get him. They got to get him. And it was just, it was back when he was he was still in that, you know, amazing first phase of his broadcast career. And it was really enjoyable to listen to, but it does sound like he's, he's mailing it in. I still love the Chris Collingsworth, Al Michaels combination whenever it's been done in the past. And when, you know, I mean, it's it's not the case anymore, but... Um, Chris Collinsworth, I just still find his voice is just intoxicating. I love Collinsworth. You know, he gets shit on a lot by like the younger generation now. The 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 social tweeters, Tom. You know, those people who, who live on social media. Collinsworth, and now Greg Olson is the new darling. And I've been writing about Greg Olson phrase. He's been astonishing now for two seasons doing this thing. He is better now than Pete Romo ever was. He doesn't have quite the natural enthusiasm that mm-hmm. Romo has, which so I don't think it grabs people as well. But in terms of identifying things in real time for like a nerd like me, it is beyond comprehension how good he is at doing it in the moment. Collinsworth has always had this superpower of being able to recognize in real time on every single play the most important thing that happened immediately. And I cannot tell people as someone who, again, that's my job is to watch tape and figure out what teams are doing, why, and like why it's influential. I have to go and rewatch every single player. I have to ID the coverage, I have to ID the front, I have to do one run through, then I go through the offensive concept. Okay, then I'm going through the broadcast copy to the all 22 sky cam to the end zone copy to see how the line protect all that. Collinsworth, and he has spotters in the booth. It's not just a one-man show. But to be able to know immediately that that was a sale concept, but it didn't work because the left tackle blew the block, but he didn't blow it. He got beaten because the edge defender had the perfect ball rush. That is so difficult to do in real time. And he rarely misses. People point out, you know, he had one at the weekend where he said it was a, a, a perfectly thrown ball, but it was a wild overthrow. The hit rate to do that for the whole field, mm. the whole field, when you watch other people, particularly like the regional games, you know, when it's like B teams and C teams, they you, you can usually tell, like Jonathan Vilma is a great example. He's good, but he is viewing everything through the prism of the linebacker. So he will immediately talk about linebacker or trench play, and it's really informative for that game, but he's not seeing always the broader prism of the offensive concept or something like that. Collinsworth IDs everything in real time and doesn't tell you everything just tells you what you needed to know from that specific player which is pretty impressive pretty incredible before we move on to the headlines then ollie i know that um you're sniffing somebody leaving a post sometime soon i think uh is it who i think it is is it a, a, a mojo moment I don't know if Mike McCarthy's going to get fired. It seems like Jerry Jones wants to keep a, a stooge, right? As he always does. My thing with that Dallas situation, you know, the embarrassing end to the season as, as it always ends for them, is they have Dan Quinn in the building. He's one of the most sought after head coaching candidates in the league, right? He's going to either get the Denver job or the Carolina job or whatever it is. And he has somehow, as the top defensive coordinator in the league for the last two years, been able to stave off any sense of defensive regression, number one in EPA per play last season, number two in EPA per play this season. That, in the modern league, does not happen. 
I've said this to you before. The only way you stop defensive aggression is you have a Hall of Fame at every single level of your defense. The, the Seahawks did it for four years. They had two Hall of Famers at safety. They had a Hall of Famer at corner. They had a Hall of Famer at linebacker. And then they just so happened to have Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, and every single person in the land up front who was a monster. And they were able to keep it together for four, just about five seasons, right, of great, great defensive football. So to do two years back-to-back, when he's really got two great players, Lawrence and Parsons, and then some good players, but by no means great, and the two great players play the same position. So it's not like the talent is distributed throughout the defense. That is impossibly good, impossibly good in the modern game. So for Dallas to let him go, to keep Mike McCarthy in the building and Kellen Moore, who's a whole other thing we could get into, but I won't bore you with. Uh, To me, if I'm Jerry Jones, I am saying I'm keeping Dan Quinn. I am making him the head coach. And thank you, Mike McCarthy. You did a good job, a better job than people give you credit for. They won a lot of games there, right? He wins a lot of games wherever he goes. People still think he's a bozo, but he wins a lot of games everywhere. But I'm going to move you on because keeping Dan Quinn, it is way easier to find an OC to work with Dak Prescott than it will be for them to replace Dan Quinn and get anywhere near that level of defensive production again. Yeah, and uh, I think he's gone, mate. I think he's gone, but it remains to be seen. Okay, right. Let's move on, Ollie, because we've got to talk about some championship games. Yes, and we start, Ollie, with our headlines to dive into these championship games. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take the NFC and you can take the AFC game, okay? So this is what I think are gonna be the headlines hitting us in the uh, NFC game um for next next week. And essentially what I'm saying is this Purdy to the Super Bowl. The Eagles can't handle the Shanna Hannigans and the 49ers pull out all the tricks to come away with the win. Ollie. I've just got a feeling that this is another 49ers bag of tricks to get to the NFC Championship game. And the Eagles' glorious run and the team that everyone was talking about throughout the whole season is the most talented, the least holes, deepest roster, all of those incredible things that the the Eagles boast. It's just going to be, unfortunately, a bridge too far. And the 49ers are going to come away with a win. Any given Sunday, my friend, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. I'm on the Eagles on this one. Um, I think some of the shine has come off because they kind of stuttered into the end of the postseason and Jalen Hurts got hurt and how healthy was he and all these things. And the, the Niners have just been clubbing people over the head now for 12 straight weeks in just embarrassing fashion of we are so much better than everyone else. So uh, absolutely. I mean, this is to me genuinely a coin toss game I, I you know i have no idea who's going to win i think the eagles will win i think that they defensively can do things that no one else can do dallas gave it a really good go right they got a ton of pressure on brock purdy they kept it really close and dak prescott just had an awful game and they made too many mistakes on offense the eagles offensively just have an offense with jalen hurts that design wise is basically unstoppable and you just have to hope they make mistakes. The only real game they've lost where they've had issues was in a Washington game where they turned the ball over a ton and they just made loads of mistakes. Why is it unstoppable then, Ollie? What makes it unstoppable? Because they are playing option football. So every because they've got a quarterback who can run, they are playing one-on-one football all across the board. And they're usually optioning someone, which basically freezes them out of the play. Now, even when they played Dallas and they just hammered Dallas, they were able to freeze the best defender on the field, which is Micah Parsons. So they made it one-on-one football, but you don't have Micah Parsons. So that becomes unstoppable. Every single drop-back concept, because Hertz can move, functions as play action, which is the most efficient way to move the ball. That's not something available to someone like the Niners, who have a 
extraordinary offense, right? That is just mauling people on the ground. So many explosive plays. Looks easy for Purdy. He's throwing to all these amazing players, but they're still not playing one-on-one football across the board because Purdy is not that kind of athlete. Jalen Hurts is, and he's the only guy of the four left who is that kind of athlete. So it's just design-wise, they have this slide RPO concept that genuinely, I've read about this a bunch. People can read it on the read optional. You, there is no fit, there is no specific schematic solution to that problem. It is unstoppable. They just have to execute it. So, And they have probably five or six concepts like that. And that's why they can go into a divisional playoff game and everyone knows they're better than the Giants, but are they 40 points better than the Giants? Well, evidently, yes, because they, you cannot stop mm-hmm. some of those plays by conceptually. And now Jalen Hurts has elevated his game where, you know, that was the same was true of Cam Newton when he was at his best. These guys who can move Lamar Jackson when he's at his best. None of those guys, Lamar has reached it in increments, but not at this sustained level, are as precise down the field throwing as Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is as good throwing down the field as anyone in the NFL, and he's throwing to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So it's mm. not like he's Cam when he had, you know, he had Steve Smith at times, and there's Robbie Anderson. He's got, you know, good players or all the vets. He's got super duper stars one on one down the field. I just felt like that was turning turning into a Cam apologist uh, conversation then for a moment. So let's let's keep keep away from that Cam boy. Um, in terms of Jalen Hurts as well, how mm. good can this guy be? Because I know I think MVP wise. We, I think we, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And unfortunately, if it's like poor old Andy Murray existing at the same time as Roger Federer <laughs> and uh, Rafael Nadal, isn't it? And Novak Djokovic. He's going to be up against it to win those kind of awards. But we're, we're talking about a high, high quality, top yeah. level quarterback, aren't we? Already one of the five best in the NFL. Um, is able to do things that only Lamar can do, but has not yet had the susceptibility to injuries on Mars. And I'm not saying in the same style, but in the function of every play being play action essentially for you. Um, and yet he's going to get dinged because the ecosystem is so overwhelmingly good. And there is a sense like you could drop anyone in there and they'd be great. And that's true. I mean, they, they have, you know, for every 10 plays, eight of them are like, we have more talent than you. Mm-hmm. Our design is better than yours. And we've got more talent than you. The offensive line is by far the best in the NFL. These receivers are freaks. The running back's good. Dallas Goddard's as good as any tight end in the league, not named Travis Kelsey or Kittle, basically. So the infrastructure is outstanding. But then there are those two plays where he doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves because they are special, special, special plays that if any of the Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, or those guys made them, that is what elevates them from winning a game against the Giants with that offense, you know, winning by 10 points to winning by 40 points. It's because this guy's that special. So we could wax lyrical about the Eagles all night, but before we move on to the AFC, Ollie, tell me what do the 49ers have to do to win? And that's rather a generic question, but I want to say one thing. If one thing's got to go right, or one thing they've got to lean on to get this W, what's it going to be? They'll be running the ball from that personnel grouping that is all the best players, right? That's their 21 personnel grouping. Two backs, one tight end, Juszczyk, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, um, who am I missing? McCaffrey. God, there's so many players. <laughs> so hard yeah, to yeah. who am I missing? Oh, Christian yeah. McCaffrey. It's the impossible grouping to stop, as we've talked about before. They can, you know, present in any different formation or, or fashion they want. The Eagles have faced nothing like that all season. No one has anything like that, obviously. But that kind of like size gap-oriented, pulling and moving blockers run game. And the Eagles tried to defend the run from a light box. They've been the best light box defense in the NFL by a long, long distance since the midpoint of the year. That the gap from them to second is the same as the gap from second to 16th. That's how much better they are. Wow. Having fewer guys in the box, but just crushing the run. 
So they have to win playing that style, but they've not faced a 21 personnel group. If they roll an extra hat into the box, which they really don't want to do anyway by philosophy and certainly don't want to against this team, and they allow Kittle to be one-on-one, Ayuk to be one-on-one, Debo to be one-on-one, they'll probably end up in the same situation everyone else who's faced these guys have, which is, hey, we've covered everyone. Oh no, Brandon Ayuk's wide open because there's only so many guys to go around. Now they've got all the talent, all the depth, and then also, well, obviously off that becomes the pass rush. Can they get home? Can they pressure Purdy? Can they freak him out? Can they make him uncomfortable? No one ever seems to make him uncomfortable. Can they do it? And I think they've got just enough pieces on the back end and in that front to be able to win up front on early downs and then to pressure him on late downs. Mr. Irrelevant goes to the most relevant game <laughs> in the NFL season. Let's see anyway. But what you got for me for the AFC, Ollie? I've already kind of nailed my... Colors to the mass, and I'm 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 the uh, the black and the orange all the way. I'm going Bengals, but I've got a feeling you're going to go slightly different. I'm going Bengals too. Oh no, you're not. Not really. Ludini comes through, my guy, sweet Lou, Luana Rumo, Bengals DC, Ludini, the Wizard of Defense. He comes through and knocks off Patrick Mahomes. Now Patrick Mahomes might be on one leg. You know, let's just <laughs> throw that yeah. out. There. <laughs> Poor guy. He, he's going to play. I don't know. It, you know, in that game last week, he's hobbling around. He's like shouting at Andy Reid, asking to be put back in. They shoot him full of horse tranquilizer. He goes back in. He's like crawling out of the huddle, but then playing like Michael Jordan when he's on the field. It's just wild. So I don't know how healthy he's going to be. They're saying he's going to be, you know, he's had worse before and all this stuff because his eyes are going to be dribbling out with all the potions <laughs> they put into his body. So um, we'll see. But I. You know, I think Lou Anaruma is, is my favorite coach in the NFL. I think he's right there as the, the best DCs in the NFL. He's the most creative, quirky, one-off game planner. He always has something for Mahomes. That's why they've beaten them three times. The Burrow is obviously perfection at this point in the league, but the reason they can keep up with or force turnovers against the, the Chiefs is because every time Anaruma has something fresh, something new, and if Mahomes is hobbled, it makes his life easier because of like three or four things you can do to kind of target the fact that he's hobbled, right? Rather than having to guess, at, you know, trying to freak him out. If he's healthy, they probably win. If he's not healthy, which he's not, I think the Bengals will win. I think you're right. I think that's what it boils down to because ultimately if you're limited as a human being, as an athlete, it, it takes away some of the things that you have to defend. So and for such a good defensive coordinator, I, th- I think that they're really up against it, which... It feels to me like, is Patrick Mahomes going to get to a point where he has this so many missed opportunities kind of tag associated to him? Do you know know what I mean? I think because he was so special so quickly and he never seems to make an error then he'll get away with it and that they'll people will start. You have to remember when they traded Tyreek, there was a real sense, right? That it was like a retooling year of sorts. How will they figure yeah. this out? Will the offense be any good? And maybe he could have got some blame if that was the case. But I mean, they have been a complete juggernaut, best in the NFL again, without really outside of Travis Kelsey. Name me all the star players that people would want on their team instead. Look at the talent everyone else in the final four is working with <laughs> AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, on on down the line. It's just. We just did all the Niners, guys. You forget they've got an all-pro on the team. That's how good they are at the, the five skill spots. He has Travis Kelsey and Tumbleweed, right? <laughs> all these Marquez Valdez-Scantling. <laughs> and Gigi Smith-Schuster is a good player, and he's been impactful here and there. They're, they're trying to get Kadarius Tony involved, who's obviously incredibly talented, but 
wildly inconsistent. They've got Sky Moss. So they have bits and pieces, you know, but it's just nowhere near. Like the drop off with their second guy compared to the, the rest of the final. Yeah, it's huge. Close. And he's been by far the best player in the league again. If you look at, you know, the, the, the really nerdy stats do this EPA by what's essentially called an obvious passing down. So like third and long. So when the defense knows a pass is coming, essentially, who is the best in the league? And there is just no one even in the same stratosphere as him this season. And it's this giant chasm from him to Allen and Burrow, who you would consider the best in the league, right? That's the mm. as Herbert and Hertz. You would you would kind of juggle them down. And the, the bar chart they used to show this, they have to make everyone else's chart bigger you know, like when they show solar systems, they have to like like yeah. when it, they have to cut the bar in half and do like yeah. a squiggly line because it can't fit yeah, it on the yeah, chart. Yeah, they did everyone else, you would never be able to see anything else. It would look like you're yeah. in the cosmos far away. It's like he is that much better in obvious passing situations, working with lesser talent than everyone else. So yeah, I, I don't think people will do that. It, if he hadn't won one, there could have been maybe a Marino-y thing, right? Of you mm. know he's the most talented but i think right now he's in that rogers vortex early rogers where everyone knows how special he is he's delivering right away there's no holes in his games he's got such a unique style that it's jordan-esque and he's kind of carrying the league commercially and then if it was 10 years of this that's when you start doing the personality test and does he text his family and where is he on mm. thanksgiving and we, we can maybe have those, those dogs did he say he was vaccinated no anyway <laughs> let's move away from there uh, okay ollie so we think we're gonna get well, you you think it's going to be Bengals against the Eagles. Eagles. I'm going Bengals 49ers. And, of course, we will save predictions for the Super Bowl to our Super Bowl special show, where I'm sure we're going to get into our prop bets as well, as we've talked about before, which is fantastic. Ollie, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It should be a great weekend of games. But let's spin it forward now to our game show to end the show tonight, which is The Price is Right. And everyone knows about The Price is Right. It's about the thing guy yodeling up the hill going, no, it's too expensive. It's not that much. Um, And I'm going to be testing Ollie now on an article that came out recently, which is the top 10 most valuable franchises of North American sports. Now, Ollie, Mm -hmm. the premise of this game is I want to see if you get the higher or lower. It's higher or lower, first of all. But there's going to be some preliminary questions. Okay, so are you ready to play the game? I'm very ready. Now, just to clarify for the listening audience, this is all major North American sports. Yes. I'm currently wearing a Red Sox hat, so I'm well prepped in the baseball department. Um, I assume the Lakers will be in there. And then it's probably all NFL sides, I'm guessing. Right. And that's the basis of the first question. Okay. So I'm going team agnostic and going to sport, first of all. Okay. There are the top 10 teams here. Okay. The value ranges, well, the value in, in dollars ranges from 8 billion to 4.9 billion. There's a revenue element factored in here as well. Revenue ranges from 1.1 trillion to geez 485 million but Mm -hmm. then there's a payroll number as well and then they all kind of combine to form a rich score okay it's one of your advanced metrics ollie like epa or something like that or all the things that you always talk about all the time anyway right so there is an overall score some of the figures you know that really matters in life you know forget epa it's all about the rich score how much do these guys vie for this rich score at these meetings it must be absurd at the league meetings well there you go yeah well we'll see depending on the owners and some of them are obviously i think meeting their own expectations expectations so um but first of all sports so there's 10 teams ollie how many of those teams are nfl teams do you think okay i'm going to try and go through process of elimination 
So I reckon that that all NFL teams except for the Yankees, the Dodgers because of their crazy TV deal, the Lakers, and the Knicks would be my guess. That that's so that's really four. interesting. So you've gone for six NFL teams. Yeah, the Red Sox might be that. I'll say six. Yeah, two MLB teams and two NBA, NBA teams. Right. Hmm. Okay, now you have failed, Ollie, in your first question. <laughs> there are eight NFL teams Ooh. in the top ten. Okay, now I will allow you to try and redeem yourself, and we hope you're playing along at home because this is half of the point. Of the two teams that are left on the list, which sport or, or sports are represented? Do you think? Because that makes it quite difficult. Because yeah. if there's te- eight NFL teams. You've really got to nail yourself down there as to what is the biggest revenue generating sport outside of the NFL in North America. Is it just revenue or is it franchise value? It's the rich score, Ollie. I don't know oh, what the okay. bloody it's made up of. Okay. Essentially, it's it's made up of. Let me pull up the, the list again. So it's made up of value, and I'm not quite sure how they get to that. Revenue and a payroll figure, which then has gone through some kind of strange calculation that if I was some kind of statistician or mathematician, I would probably be able to figure out using some kind of differentiated equation. But I can't, so I'm just going to take their word for it. There's a rich score, and the rich score ranges from 23.45 to 14.16, just mm-hmm. so you're aware. Okay. Um, that has a vague whiff of Tony Romo's bullshittery that's too complicated to like be able to call him on it. Um, Don't you Romo me. Don't <laughs> place me in the Romo bracket. This is tough because my inst- I know for a fact the Dodgers have a TV deal from Time Warner that pays them a billion dollars a year. There's nothing like it. It's unprecedented in any sport in the world. They basically get paid to be the Premier League by themselves every season. But I think on that list, the Yankees will be on there. And then the question is, are the Dodgers on there, or is it the Lakers? That so, is the, that, and that's the choice you have to make to see whether you succeed in this next round, which is what are the other two teams representing in terms of the sport? And I, then we'll go into higher or lower. I think there are two sports represented after the NFL. You have failed once again. Oh. It is only one, one sport. There are eight oh. NFL teams and two MLB teams. The MLB teams, which you have yeah. successfully identified as the Yankees, and the Dodgers. So now we're going to play higher or lower, okay? Yeah. We're going to play higher or lower. So we're going to start off with the San Francisco 49ers on the list, okay? So I want you to tell me, Los Angeles Rams higher or lower? On rich score. Oh, yes, on the rich score. <laughs> mm, San Francisco 49ers, official partners of uh, Gridiron. They are, but Uh, are they more valuable, according to this list, than the Los Angeles Rams? That is the question. Obviously, in the hearts and minds of platform media, for sure. Um, I think given the brand new stadium that the Rams have, which houses NFL media and all that apparatus and does all the big concert stuff, and I do not believe that Levi Stadium does any of that stuff, and it's obviously an older stadium that is in the middle of nowhere. Um, I believe that the Rams are higher than the, the Niners. Correct. The San Francisco 49ers are less valuable than the Rams. Interesting, the San Francisco 49ers come in at number eight. The Rams come in at number four for Ooh. context. Now, therefore, there you go. The Los Angeles Rams 
But they or, have no fans. Isn't that wild? The Los Angeles Rams or the Los Angeles Dodgers. Are the Dodgers more or less valuable, wow. according to Rich Score, than the Los Angeles Rams? So you've already referred to the Los Angeles Dodgers in their fantastic TV deal. A broadcasting deal. The Rams, though, both in the same city. This is why I've made the comparison. Um, are they more or less valuable than the Los Angeles Rams? Hope you're playing along at home. This is extraordinary because the Rams, by rights, have no right to be anywhere near this list. If you think uh, about it, like, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, they are there because the NFL is the king of the world. They yep. have the greatest broadcast deal. They want. I don't know if you saw this. One of my favorite things every year. You know, they publish a list of the hundred most watched TV shows in the US, and every oh, yeah. NFL just has like ninety on there. And then it's like it'll be like uh, Titans Jags one PM CBS twenty eight twenty nine the inauguration of the president of the United yeah, States. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bonkers, <laughs> bonkers. So the Rams have no fans. They did win a Super Bowl, but it's all about that stadium. I reckon. And the NFL's just overriding. We own the world TV revenue. Um, so I, but I know that Time Warner deal's a billion a year. I, I am going to take the Dodgers above the Rams. The Los Angeles Dodgers are less valuable it. than the Rams, unfortunately. Now, I'm not going to tell you where they are on the list because that, unfortunately, if you're working things through in your head, that would then give you as to clue as to the next <laughs> next question. But now I'm going to give you this one. So the, Los the, NFL. Come on, man. the Los Angeles Dodgers or the New York Yankees. I'm going baseball to baseball. Are the Yankees more or less valuable than the Dodgers, considering you found out that the Dodgers are less valuable than the Rams and the Rams are more valuable than the 49ers? I think the Yankees are the second most viable franchise in American sports behind the Dallas Cowboys. So you're saying they're more valuable then? That's the question I'm going to answer, okay? That is correct. Now, to your second point, are they the most second most um, uh, valuable franchise underneath the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys? Well, the Dallas Cowboys are number one. I think there's no doubt of that. And Jerry Jones certainly is does probably care about this. And you know what? When you then are the, at the top by quite a score, 23 0.45 then drops down to 17.34, given that 10th is 14.16. As you can imagine, it's one of those Patrick Mahomes charts with the squiggly <laughs> line in the middle. But do you think Jerry carries around? Uh, someone must always follow him with a trestle and some kind of presentation apparatus. Yeah, PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're so valuable. Now, who, sorry, which team is second in the list? Is it the New York Yankees or is it the New England Patriots? That is your next question. And then I will stop that sequence and just give you two other teams from the list and see if you can get it right. So who's number two? That's the question. My instinct has been fairly good at this. And then I seem to outthink myself is what I've learned. I think, I think that's I... your problem in life. <laughs> Agreed. I think my brain knows these answers, but my mouth is fighting it. So um, my instinct was the Yankees. Because I just think they're a more viable entity. The Patriots are in the NFL are extraordinarily valuable because of all the winning and all the international. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take the Yankees. The new oh. England Patriots are the second most valuable franchise. More value, more revenue, 
and a, a, a lesser payroll though than the Yankees, oh, but their score comes in at 17.34. The Yankees came in at 16.39. So now you know who the top three are. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, Patriots, Yankees. Just for your information, the Rams then come in at four, and we've already talked about the Rams. Now, remaining on the list, and I'm going to mix the order up here, okay? You have the Jets. The Jets? The Eagles. The Giants. And the Commanders, which is bizarre to me. So you have the Jets, the Giants, the Commanders, and the Eagles. So you've got two NFC East teams, two, um, sorry, three NFC East teams to max out with the four in the list in total. And then you've also got the Jets. So I want you to rank those four in order from most valuable to least valuable to end our game show for this week. I will give you them again in no particular order. I keep mixing them up just to make it even more difficult. Jets. Commanders, Eagles, Giants. Jets, Commanders, Eagles, Giants. And you know, these teams occupy slot five, six, seven, and ten on the list, with San Francisco at eight and the Dodgers at nine, interestingly enough. That is crazy that the Red Sox end up below the Commanders. That's <laughs> wild. It um, is. Uh, okay, so and the Boston Celtics, the Lake, the Lakers. How do I know. Lakers? That's I know. Um Okay, well, it was funny because when you were first going through them before you had said them, I, I was going to say how immensely, what a bag fumble it is that the commanders are not second. Now, the commanders should be, in that market, they should be neck and neck with the Cowboys, essentially, except for they haven't got the America's team elements. So they would be second by less of a distance than what number two is right now. Um, when Bezos buys that team, I imagine they'll be top of this list when we, when we do this the next go around. So I am going to go... Giants, Eagles, Jets, Commanders. The most valuable team out of those four is the New York Giants. Correct. Next, you went with the Eagles. Yeah, that was silly. I should have doubled up at the New York part. (laughs) The Eagles are the 10th most valuable team on the list. So they come in at the bottom. Now, the Commanders and the Jets. You went for Jets, then Commanders. Mm Mm-hmm. It is by 0.19 on the rich score scale, the commanders who are the most valuable, which is, again, is you've had a rough time with this game. Ollie, but I tell you what, <laughs> it is a difficult game to play this one. The price is right on the franchises. And I think what would be really interesting, and maybe we can do this into in the next season um, of the Moore and Connolly football show, is get the full 32 yes. of the NFL teams and play it along that because that, that would give some real... Real excitement. Yeah, it'll show you why Shad Khan is so desperate to move to London because well, I can't yeah. imagine that rich score is, is cracking the double digits, my man. No, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, we hope you played long at home and you enjoyed that game. And that's the exact kind of thing you can expect out of the Moran Connolly football show. And I know that when we get into the next NFL season, we're going to really dial up the game shows and really give you some good value in there. I'm really excited about it, Ollie. Maybe even get some guests on where Ollie can face off against some guests and I'll be hosting. Because let's face it, Ollie, my knowledge is not great. okay brilliant stuff now ollie how will you be enjoying the championship games this weekend do you have a plan for the championship weekend how do you handle it i've not made a plan yet i mean obviously uh you're working the niners are in the game part of the niners helping the niners out maybe just take an edible watch the games you know i'll figure something out have some fun i love it i love it i am not sure how much i will see live obviously 
two kids, mate. It's it's, <laughs> it's challenging, but um, I know I will catch it on the rewind, which is uh, I'm really excited about, and hopefully I'll you know I'll sniffle in a beer somewhere. I've I've not had a drink in January yet. You doing the dry January? Right. No, I just don't drink that much. Oh, and then it became like a thing. And then dad said to me yesterday, do you want to go for a pint on Thursday? And I was kind of like, yeah. But I was kind of thinking, oh, I've nearly done a month. But no, <laughs> we'll go for a beer tomorrow. It'll be fine. No, lads. Then I remembered, yeah. I'm a lad. Yeah, that's, 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 that's. Uh, hardly, hardly a lad, 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 lad. Anyway, look, ladies and gentlemen, please get in touch with us. You can find us, as always, on Twitter, at Ali Connolly. You can find me at the underscore Tommy underscore more. If you want to send us any questions, to mcfsquestions at gmail.com. We're always happy for listener interaction to read out your questions and to interact with them, particularly as we go into Super Bowl Sunday. So, Ollie, for now, it's goodbye from you. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, too. Have yourself a great championship weekend. <laughs> <laughs>